You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 235 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm very pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. And Rick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. Um, we had such a good pre-show um, we're going to have to press record <laughs> before we start those one of these weeks because we talked about everything. Um, and now uh, we've got other things to talk about. It's such a bit, you wouldn't necessarily think for a team that's not headed to the playoffs that there would be much to talk about. But there is. There's a ton. Um, so we better get at it today. Yeah, plenty of news this week in the first segment. Uh, we had four Habs games to go through. Uh, we'll also uh, talk about some Habs prospects, among other news. In segment two, uh, it's our big topic segment. It's titled, uh, Kent Hughes Has Decisions to Make. And uh, for those who might have missed, uh, there was actually a Kent Hughes interview that went down this past week. So we'll take a deep dive on that. And in segment three, of course, it's the Have Your Say segment. That's where we turn it over to our listeners, and uh, we want to hear what you think. Our Canadians Connection question of the week. Should Kent Hughes acquire goaltender Carter Hart from the Philadelphia Flyers this offseason? We want to hear from you. Rick, uh, what's the best way for our listeners to reach out to us? Text us. Text us at our Rocket Sports text line. As many of you did this this past week, uh, answering our questions, asking questions, and, and giving your opinion uh, the number is 5853ROCKET, 5853ROCKET, that is 585-376-2538. Text us anytime, 24 hours a day. You can also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at All Habs. Just search that and you'll be able to find us. We also have a website, CanadiansConnection.com. So like I said, four games this past week, uh, starting all the way back on March the 11th. Uh, New Jersey in Montreal, and it's a New Jersey victory 3-1. to uh, Gurionov scores a lone goal for Montreal, but the Devils score two in the first, and uh, that pretty well sealed the deal. Interesting game in that um, uh, the Devils outplayed uh, the, the Canadians here, but it was Jake Allen that uh, 
stood on his head. He continued the the solid play to that point that he had had mm-hmm. uh, throughout uh, February uh, that brought him the Molson Cup. And and the other interesting uh, little nugget from this game that it was the first game that the um, uh, that the Canadians played that featured no penalties from from either team. And that was uh, the first game that that happened for the Canadians since February 17th, 1980. Um, so that was, doesn't happen that often, obviously. <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, Jake Allen had a good game. Well, and this next one on the 13th, Colorado 8, Montreal 4. Um, Jake Allen is actually relieved by the other goaltender, uh, Sam Montembeau, after being scored on six times. Uh, the Avs got off to a very fast start, scoring four in the first. Uh, the Avs just absolutely dangling around all the Habs and Jake Allen, finding all the various holes. And uh, man, this uh, was a very high-scoring game. This was all about Arturi Lekkonen and his return to Montreal for the first time since the trade. Um, and, and there was a real nice um, um, tribute video that the Canadians put together. And, and uh, some of the Canadians players came over and, and tapped uh, uh, Arturi Lekkonen, and then immediately he turned around and scored uh, a goal. Uh, he actually scored twice, brought his uh, season total to 20 goals, and then in lucky fashion, uh, he broke his finger and is going to be out for the next uh, four weeks or so. And and uh, Colorado is uh, relying on getting him back for their playoff run. But, uh, the next game, it was uh, the second half of a back-to-back. Montreal goes into Pittsburgh, and they win 6-4. to four. Uh, The Pens went up 2-0 uh, pretty early in the game, but Montreal stormed back and scored four goals. Uh, they chased uh, Tristan Jari from the net. Uh, he was relieved by Casey DeSmith for Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh went back to tie it up, but uh, Montreal in the third period takes the lead and goes ahead by one. Um, we've heard Marty St. Louis say that, um, that, that the playing right the right way and the process, uh, trumps results. Uh, while this was a case where the Canadians, they were awful, uh, the Pittsburgh goaltending awful, um, and it was results, uh, trump the, the, the process and, and, um, Marty said, you know, we probably deserved less. Uh, but the result was was important for our morale, and and it you know it it broke a, a losing streak, so that was uh, very important for the morale of the Canadians. And speaking of morale, uh, the most uh, I'm gonna say exciting game of the week, uh, March the 16th, Florida nine, Montreal five. Um, so after the first period, the score was seven to three for Florida. Yeah, seven to three. That's ten goals in one period. Uh, Montembeau was uh, pulled after three goals on six shots. Uh, Jake Allen went into the net. He'd eventually be scored on six times total on 18 shots. Uh, I know the puck took some funny bounces there. There were some fluky goals, but man, some of these were just not NHL caliber goals. And that goes for uh, the goalies on both ends. Uh, Bobrovsky did not look <laughs> great either. Uh, so just a scoring fest. Um, it quieted down a little bit in the second and third period. But uh, wow, that's going to be 21 goals against in three games. Uh, something's just not it. Uh, I was making notes, six goals scored in eight minutes and 18 seconds by the two teams. Montreal had scored on every shot on net, at, but at that point, uh, seven goals on 11 shots combined in the first nine minutes, 11 goals 
on 13 shots in 10 and a half minutes. The fans were chanting, we want 10. It was a nutty game. Um, goaltending was bad, as you said, and and the goaltending has been really rough for the the Montreal Canadiens, and, and and not only the goaltending, but the t- defensive zone coverage, the turnovers, the sloppy play, soft in their own end. Um, it's something's going to have to change because uh, the, the Canadians have three tough games coming up. So check out all our comprehensive game previews and post game recaps for every Canadians game at allhabs.net. The Canadians record currently 27, 36 and six. That's 60 points and 28th in the NHL. So right down near the bottom. Uh, We have plenty of roster news to get to here. Uh, Starting things off, Justin Barron returned to the lineup against Pittsburgh. He put up a couple assists and he's been looking pretty good since returning. Boy, that pass that he made from his own zone uh, to the opposition blue line cross ice uh, pinpoint um, for an assist. I- incredible. Um, he has he has um, certain skill set that uh, few other uh, defensemen have on the Canadians. Um, he's I, he, he's had some some difficulties at times. He's he's uh, he battled some injuries, but there's there's times that you just see the future and he's looked pretty good. Yeah, he's going to be a very good uh, NHL defenseman once he gets a little bit more experience. Uh, Christian Dvorak underwent season-ending knee surgery on Wednesday in New York City. Uh, the injury bug still continuing to make its way through the Montreal dressing room. Uh, we're near the end of the season here, so uh, I, I guess season-ending injury. Uh, it, it might only be a couple weeks. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, man, that's uh, how many times have we heard season-ending injury so far this season? And the surgery, it was performed at the hospital for special surgery in New York City by Dr. Robert Marks. Dr. Robert Marks is the same surgeon that did this uh, surgery on Carrie Price's knees at the time. Jonathan Drouin was held out of practice on Friday because he missed the team meeting. Uh, it sounds like he's also going to be missing the game on Saturday. Uh, man, uh, Jonathan Drouin, it, it feels like since coming to Montreal, he's had plenty of opportunities to prove himself. And uh, it, it's just he's not been able to do it. And stuff like this is really just not acceptable at the NHL level. Yeah, skipped out on a team meeting, um, so he was held out of out of practice on Friday. Marty St. Louis said um, it's non-negotiable. He missed a te- uh, team meeting. He must um, uh, pay the consequences um, and talked about how important culture is. It's uh, the culture of the team is more important than any one player. He said all that on Friday. Now on um, Saturday morning, uh, we're coming to air just after uh, the game day skate. Um, Caden Gooley will not play uh, against Tampa. Uh, that put Marty St. Louis in a tough position, and uh, Jonathan Duran will be will dress. Maybe a little bit different. Uh, that That's the, the language that he used that Marty St. Louis did, that Jonathan Duran will dress for the game. Uh, maybe a difference between dressing and actually playing um, I would hope that we don't see, and, and he's starting on the fourth line, I would hope that we don't see um, Jonathan Duran for any more than, let's say, five minutes of, of uh, on-ice time. Otherwise, this, this whole 
message about culture and consequences uh, rings a bit hollow, but uh, fully support um, uh, Marty St. Louis for, um, you know, for there being consequences for a player who um, isn't taking uh, every game seriously uh, as, uh, as the Canadians finish this season. Absolutely. Uh, Canadian signed defenseman Jaden Struble to a two-year entry-level contract. Uh, he's coming out of the Northeastern University in the NCAA. He put up 12 points in 31 games. Uh, not an A-level prospect, but he could be a pretty good piece going forward. He's a very interesting uh, player, um, and he's um, he's not necessarily he's not the size of a jack of an Arbor Jack eye, but but plays very physically. Um, he's known he was known in the NCAA as a uh, defenseman who was very tough to play against. Uh, that that reputation was was pretty well earned. Um, He's very mature. He had a, 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 a media availability on Friday uh, with the Montreal media. Our, um, Chris G was there uh, to grab some quotes, and we'll be playing uh, playing those a little bit later. But um, he's going to take a couple of uh, practice sessions to to learn the systems, uh, to learn the pro game. Um, but this is this is. Um, uh, something in addition to signing his his two year entry level contract, he signed um, a contract with Laval so that he can finish out the season with them, contribute in the playoffs, and then um, you know not uh, start the clock on on his uh, NHL contract. So I think I think it's all good for for um, the Canadians organization. Uh, a left defenseman, he, you know, um, uh, there is a bit of a log jam there, and and he knew that he's coming with eyes wide open. Um, had he not signed, he would have been a free agent in August. But uh, in the discussions with Kent Hughes, and and we should say that that there is an association with Kent Hughes. Um, Kent Hughes was uh, Jaden Struble's uh, family advisor um, before becoming the the GM, and of course. Um, Hughes's son uh, plays in Northeastern, so um, Jaden Struble is is well acquainted um, with the Hughes family, and and um, and and just talked about the loyalty he has uh, to the team that drafted him, and and is really looking forward to getting underway um, in Laval, hopefully in the next um, in the next few games. So now I think it's time to get to this week's winners and losers. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on the Canadians Connection. So for winners and losers, uh, we each get to pick one loser and one winner for the week. Uh, can be anything related to hockey or sports. Uh, we're not going to specifically go with Montreal Canadians. And boy, this week, I think uh, we have some pretty good losers, if I might say. I'll uh, defer to you, uh, Rick, to start this one off. Last week, um, my winner was Danny Briere. Um, and Danny Briere um, played with the Canadians for a season, uh, has been part of, of the Philadelphia Flyers uh, uh, organization as a player and, and then uh, in their management team, their hockey ops team, uh, with their ECL, ECHL team. And, and on the occasion of him getting appointed as the interim general manager, 
with uh, Chuck Fletcher being uh, fired. Um, I made him my winner of the week because it was a really nice story uh, last week. Uh, him achieving a dream. He had worked hard. He had been a good soldier in the organization. He had worked at uh, every level uh, from Maine on up to um, Philadelphia. And then this week, it was revealed that uh, his son Carson, his son Carson is um, also uh, a hockey player. Um, he uh, plays for, for Mercyhurst, um, a Division One team uh, in the NCAA. Um, he had been in a bar, and there, a video uh, had uh, been placed online uh, that he had come into the bar, come up the stairs with a couple of friends. There was a wheelchair parked at the top of the stairs uh, before going through the doorway into the bar. Um, and and uh, Carson sat in the wheelchair um, and you know joked with his friends and then nonchalantly pushed the wheelchair down a flight of stairs and you saw it tumbling and um, at least one or two parts f- flying off of it, falling off of it. Um, awful, awful incident, just terrible, terrible behavior. Um, when it came to light, um, uh, Danny Briera uh, was the first to apologize for the behavior of his his uh, son and said uh, there that it was unacceptable and there would be consequences. Carson said he was ready to accept any consequences, um, but was was pretty generic in in his apology. It turns out that the wheelchair belonged to. Um, uh, a woman who is a double double amputee and and um, and um, who attends the um, who is attending the bar and the owner um, uh, because of uh, the where the washrooms are being downstairs carries the uh, this girl down the stairs to the washroom and helps her in and and all of that um, and there was a GoFundMe set up to to. Uh, buy a new uh, wheelchair, and 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 uh, the bar owner had uh, banned um, Briere from the um, from the premises, and and so on. Um, I, I was just disappointed in Carson Briere's. I was disappointed in his behavior. I was disappointed in his apology. Um, I I would have liked to have heard rather than I am willing to accept the consequences. I I was wanting to hear. I have done this. I've reached out. I've purchased a new wheelchair. I have, you know, I've done everything to make make amends. Um, the other issue is that he's a multiple offender. Um, he was um, part of Arizona State um, Hockey um, Club in in uh, the uh, NCAA, and he was dismissed uh, from that club for. Uh, in 2019, for what uh, Arizona State called a violation of team rules, nothing was ever made public. Um, so this is a pattern of behavior, um, and um, I I hope we hear more uh, from the Briers about what they have done uh, to make amends. I expect we'll be hearing from Mercyhurst about the violation of their uh, school rules, and um, just a, a very ugly story after such a, a wonderful story a week ago uh, for the Briere family. 
Yeah, you really have to feel bad for uh, Danny Breer in this situation, going from top of the world, just got his dream job, to having to deal with whatever this was, and just unacceptable behavior coming from Carson Breer. Uh, the loser I went to for this week, and honestly, I, I think this was one of these weeks where there were a lot of directions I could have gone. Uh, there were some teams in the hunt for the playoffs that uh, haven't been playing very well lately. I could have gone with that. Uh, Montreal literally were, lost a game 9-5. to five. I could have gone with someone from that, uh, but uh, the one that stood out the most to me, Jordan Bennington. Uh, let's talk about Jordan for a minute here. Uh, he was playing a game against the Wild, and he was scored on by Ryan Hartman. This was the fifth goal that he uh, had scored against him that game. And uh, while the Minnesota Wild are celebrating, Bennington, for some reason, decides to throw a bit of a temper tantrum. And he goes and he attacks all the players uh, celebrating near his net, uh, throwing his blocker around, throwing his stick around. I'll mention, too, here, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury from the Minnesota Wild uh, saw this happening. He came skating right over and was ready uh, to go for a fight. For some reason, uh, the officials decided let's abandon uh, this giant crowd of players all pummeling on each other and let's prevent the goalies from fighting. So I'm going to give an extra thumbs down to the officials for getting in the way of a what could have been a really good goalie fight. Beautiful opportunity <laughs> for Marc-Andre Fleury to teach uh, Bennington a lesson here. Uh, the results of this, uh, Bennington gets ejected from the game on his way out. He tries to do this hype the crowd move. Uh, interesting that he does that after allowing five goals against and then throwing a hissy fit. Uh, and uh, he just kind of looked, he made a fool of himself. Now he's suspended two games uh, for this incident. And to be honest, this isn't the first time Bennington's pulled something like that. I, I like not even this season. He's done this previous seasons as well, where he throws a tantrum for whatever reason. He gets aggressive, and uh, yeah, this I'm just I'm not impressed with Jordan Bennington right now. There's really no room in the game for that. Uh, if, if these players are just innocently celebrating, like what what was the point of going over there and throwing your stick and your blocker around? He essentially did nothing but made a fool of himself. So my big loser of the week, Jordan Bennington. It's a great pick. And, and yes, he's, he has, uh, he's a multiple offender. He, he has become unhinged uh, so many times. And um, I, I know that, that Yahoo has put together a, a timeline. They call it the <laughs> timeline of how Jordan Bennington became the NHL's big, biggest villain. But it goes back to, we saw it in, in the AHL, um, bizarre behavior as well. Um, and and earlier this year, just before Christmas, early December, um, he, it was uh, uh, Jason Zucker, um, uh, the Penguins forward, that uh, Bennington just, he clotheslined him and could have could have hurt him um, quite seriously. And, and uh, then it was either a couple of nights before or a couple of nights after him, I'm forgetting that he tried to go after Jordan Stahl. Uh, he came out of his net, um, his 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 blocker up, and he was going to lay out Jordan Stahl, and and Jordan Stahl just ran over him, uh, just completely, <laughs> just completely ran over, and he looked foolish. Um, and Craig Berube, the St. Louis coach, has um, is a pretty no nonsense coach, but has defended him for the most part. Well, after that, said. 
Um, his behavior has got to stop. It doesn't help anything. Just play goal, stop the puck, he was quoted as. And I like mm. that. Um, you can have some personality, uh, but all of this um, emotion isn't, isn't helping the team. It isn't helping Bennington. Um, and he's, he's really got to get a, a handle on, on his emotions. Yeah, uh, goaltending is uh, very much a mental game. Uh, a lot of goaltender, well, the best goaltenders are given credit for how calm they can stay and how composed they can stay. Bennington's not been good since his Stanley Cup run, and that seems to be when he started to pull a lot of these stunts at the NHL level. So I think that that probably attributes to it. There's definitely a problem going on uh, uh, with his composure, and this is why he's getting scored on five times in a game by uh, the Minnesota Wild. So there you go. Uh, Let's uh, go to a more positive note, though. We have a couple pretty big winners uh, for this week. Uh, I'll start things off. I'm going to go with Connor McDavid, uh, 131 points on the season, and still some season left to go, so he's going to build on that. Nobody in the Salary Cup era has put up more points than that. The previous uh, person who held the title was Nikita Kucherov with 128 points in one season, so... History being made by McDavid, uh, he seems nearly unstoppable, uh, by far the best player of his generation, and uh, just Im- never ceases to impress me. All the things he can do on the ice, uh, he can dangle around pretty much anyone. He's got a great shot, uh, probably winning the Rocket Richard uh, trophy as well for the most goals. He seems to be lighting it up quite a bit. Yeah, it's a, that's an absolutely great choice. Um I I went a little uh, further afield for for my winner, um, and this is something um, that happened a, a couple of weeks ago. I I make no uh, secret of the fact that I I follow uh, the Minnesota Vikings. I support the Minnesota Vikings as as painful as that can be. Uh, they had a good season last last year, um, <clears throat> but. A, an interesting story happened, I think it was on March the 3rd uh, or thereabouts. Um, wide receiver K.J. Osborne, and, and K.J. Osborne was kind of third in the pecking order uh, last year in terms of wide receivers. Uh, may have a bit of an oper- more of an opportunity this year with Adam uh, Thielen not uh, continuing on with the team. K.J. Osborne was, is, um, was in Texas, uh, Austin, Texas, um, on the highway, in an Uber vehicle, he and his Uber driver came upon the scene of a really bad car crash. The car was engulfed in flames. And in a split second, these two, the Uber driver and K.J. Osborne, um, and there was another car that had stopped, they made the decision to approach this burning vehicle, not knowing you know, if the car was going to um, explode or, or what. Um, but they they made the decision to to approach the vehicle and uh, remove the driver Nelson Thomas from this vehicle, um, saved his life, um, and uh, an incredible story for uh, a professional as- athlete. Uh, KJ Osborne tweeted, "Right place, right time," uh, and that he felt that that God had placed him there at that moment to act, uh, and that's why he had to act. Um, Incredible story, and and it wasn't until this past week that uh, Nelson Thomas was well enough and uh, um, 
from it, from the hospital was able to thank uh, his rescuers. Um, but athletes are, are sometimes, um, you know, given given a bad uh, given a bad name. But but in this case, um, had had literally saved someone's life. Um, my co-winner, um, and I know, uh, sorry, I said, uh oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, my co-winner. Um, are Toronto Maple Leafs fans? Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and and you know, I've I've been in that building a number of times, and it's and it deserves the reputation it has that that people are pretty quiet. Um, you know, it's not the most exciting place to see a game. Um, but I, this week, I'm I'm setting all that aside and giving credit to Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Um, a game against the Buffalo Sabers. And the anthem singer uh, was trying to sing the anthem, was given two mics, neither microphone worked. Uh, and so fans um, in uh, the, the Toronto, mostly Toronto fans, obviously, um, started singing um, the anthem, uh, picked it up and, and carried on. Now, you might think that's not so unusual, but what's unusual about it is... It was in the middle of the American national anthem, not the Canadian. Um, and so credit to the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fans for singing the anthem, um, uh, the American national anthem, when the uh, anthem singer wasn't able to do so. And it was just ironic um, that it happened to be against the Sabres. And I, 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 I've always admired that the Sabres uh, are the only team in the league who play both anthems every night, every game, regardless of, of who the opponent is. Um, and uh, I, I, I give both, uh, both the fans from Toronto and the Sabres organization um, uh, credit uh, as, as co-winners of the week. Nice. Uh, that's a good pick, and uh, I will allow your uh, pick of Leaf fans. Uh, they actually <laughs> did something pretty good in that game. So yeah. uh, now I think it's a good time to get to our prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. Yeah, we have plenty of prospect news to get to. Uh, We'll start things off with the Laval Rocket. Uh, They played three games and they lost them all. Uh, Starting back on March the 11th, Laval goes to visit Springfield. And while the game was close and tied one to one until the third period, but then Springfield pots four straight goals. Uh, So uh, not a great third period for Laval in that one. Uh, They had a few days off to rest uh, until March the 15th when they went to Rochester. Uh, Laval looked like they had a very good start to the game. Actually, the first 10 minutes, they looked like they were controlling the game for the most part. They were unable to convert, though, and uh, Malcolm Subban gets the shutout, 2-0 Rochester. And uh, heading back home on the 17th, uh, where Utica comes to visit, Utica wins 3-2. Both teams combined for 50 penalty minutes. Neither would score on the power play, and uh, the Comet hang on uh, to win that one 3-2. Last week, uh, you and I talked about the the Laval offense. How one of the most potent offenses in in the AHL was having trouble scoring goals. Uh, that continued this week. Four goals 
total in uh, the three games that uh, the Rocket played, and and that's the reason that they're presently, by points percentage, seventh in the North Division and out of the playoff picture. Yeah, so the exact opposite of the Montreal Canadiens, uh, where every game is an insane <laughs> amount of goals. So uh, the Rockets' record currently 24-26-7 and seven and 3. Uh, that's 26th in the AHL, so sitting outside of, of the playoff spots. Uh, coming up this week, we've got another three games for the Laval Rocket. Uh, they're going to be staying at home on the 18th. Utica comes to visit the 22nd. It, uh, it's Bridgeport that comes to visit. And then on the 24th, it's Milwaukee. So we'll keep you up to date on all of those games. Heading over to the CHL news, I will note here that uh, Riley Kidney is officially over 100 points. Uh, he hit the 102-point mark. So great season for Kidney. He is absolutely tearing it up. And uh, big news coming from uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. There's a plan to ban fighting starting next season. Uh, currently, this is not confirmed, uh, but this is something that's going to be talked about. Uh, I believe the possibility is that uh, if you get in a fight, you will get an automatic boot from the game. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, this is... <sighs> This is an odd story to me, and and uh, you know that we we don't talk about politics on this, this show except when politics intrudes on sport, and <laughs> and that's the case here. I think um, Mario Mario Cicchini, who is the uh, incoming uh, commissioner of the QMJHL, he hasn't even started yet. Uh, I think he officially starts. On May 8th, of course, um, uh, president of, of uh, uh, the Montreal Alouettes uh, has been uh, since 2020 um, and is coming in and um, was it was odd this week that he was welcomed as the commissioner, the next commissioner. And at the same time, uh, they said that they're going in the direction that they expect that that fighting will be removed from the queue uh, next season. Um and yes, uh, uh, there there are discussions um, that that need to take place, and the, and the board needs to, and and the 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 repercussions for uh, if a fight does happen, all those things have to be settled. Um, and so, as you said, um, it's not settled. It's it's something that that's going to require some discussion. Except if you talk to the Quebec sports minister. Isabel Charest, um, she has said uh, there is no ifs, ands, buts. There's no discussion. It's over. It's not happening. And if uh, the team doesn't, uh, uh, here's here's what I think should happen, that uh, all players involved in any fight uh, should be expelled from the game and suspended for the next game. And if you don't do it, I will do it. And I have the power to do it Um um, and and then added, uh, well, we'd like to reach a consensus with the Q, but um, you know, this is what's happening. Um, the same, um, this is the same um, minister of sport who has been um, threatening this for the, the past two years, and we remember back in 2020 that she said fighting must be reduced, um, and this was during the COVID time when when teams the Q. Uh, we're, we're receiving funding from the government, and she made uh, the funding, $20 million, I think it was, contingent on the fact 
that they must um, proceed towards a league with uh, without fighting. She's got to be in her bonnet. And, um, you know, whether you want fighting, whether you don't want fighting, um, I think there's a debate to be be had there, and and intelligent people can come up with a with a solution. Uh, but for um, a minister to have this in her mind without any kind of background experience, um, it's just something that she want. Well, she demands must happen. Uh, I don't think that's at all the way to go about this. And and you know, it's it's not as if. Uh, this has been. This is currently a big issue in the queue. Um, Hockeyfights.com uh, reports that there was 86 fights in the QMJHL last season. That was down from 637 fights in the 2002-3 season. Um, so, uh, yeah, is 637 fights in a junior league a problem? Sure is. Is 86? Um, well, I don't know, but let's have a discussion about it. The incidence rate uh, that they, they quote is 0.07. Um, and if you work it out, that means that you'd have to watch at least 14 games until you would see uh, a fight. Yes, there is, um, you know, there, there are new things that we're learning about brain injuries, and this is a topic that should be, um, should be discussed and debated and rationally worked out, but the way it's happening in the queue, um, and and on, on the day that the commissioner is uh, is is you know uh, given to the media, um, has to deal with this. Um, I I think this was this this was uh, abysmal um, by the by the politicians. Yeah, I think that's well put. Uh, there's certainly a discussion to be had here. Um, if this does go through, and assuming it does, I'm interested to see how they go about punishing this and enforcing this rule. Uh, it seems like fighting in hockey, it's been there almost right from the beginning. So, I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm curious to see how they go about enforcing it. So this is definitely a story that I'll be following myself. Uh, looking at the NCAA, uh, Sean Farrell uh, was named Hockey Player of the Year in the ECAC. So big year for him. Uh, Sean Farrell has uh, he's been a good scorer down there, hasn't he? He's been great. He was he's been uh, and and this is his first year uh, in the NCAA. Um, he he led the, the Harvard Crimson with fifty one points, twenty goals, thirty one assists in thirty one games. Um, he's, he's been everything that, uh, uh, that, that you can want and, and you can understand why Kent Hughes has, has said that he would like to, um, at the end of the season, uh, add, uh, Sean Farrell to the Canadians, uh, roster for a couple of games to, to give him a bit of a preview, uh, of the NHL. And, um, but he's still busy. <laughs> he's still Harvard <laughs> I believe uh, this afternoon, I believe, or tonight, Harvard will play Colgate. He's still involved uh, in the playoffs, but there's single knockout uh, playoffs. So we never know um, how far um, his season is going to be extended before he gets that opportunity um, with the Montreal Canadiens, just as as Jordan Harris had uh, last season and and Cole Caulfield had the, the season before. Uh, top 10 finalists were announced for the 2023 Hobie Baker Memorial Award. 
And there are some very familiar names for Habs fans. Uh, Rick, can you list some of those off? Well, Logan Cooley um, from Minnesota, he's one of the 10 uh, finalists. And we remember the top three from last year's draft. Uh, Cooley was, uh, we, we featured him a lot on, on this show. Adam Fantilli from Michigan, the powerful Michigan team, Adam Fantilli, um, in the top three, um, at least for uh, this upcoming draft. Sean Farrell, uh, who we just talked about, is a finalist. Uh, Colin Graff from Quinnipiac. Lane Hudson from Boston uh, University. Uh, we've talked about Lane, another Canadian's prospect. Matthew Knees, uh, 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 Toronto Maple Leafs prospect, playing uh, in Minnesota. Devin Levi uh, from Northeastern. Um, he just signed a contract with uh, an entry-level contract with Buffalo um, this week. Uh, Blake Patella from Michigan, Jason Poland from Western Michigan, and Yaniv Peretz uh, from Quinnipiac. We talked about him a lot uh, last week as someone that perhaps the Canadians would target as a, a free agent. If you missed that discussion, uh, you might want to go back and listen to last week's show. Also, be sure to read all the content at ahl.report. Also, listen to and subscribe to the Press Zone that comes out every Tuesday. That's your inside source on the Laval Rocket and everything Canadians prospects. And it's time to get to quotes of the week, and it's Jaden Struble time. Uh, Jaden Struble met with the media on Friday. Uh, he uh, first talks uh, talks about on his his goal for joining the Montreal Canadiens. And this quote, just to preface it. Um, if you are listening, if you're one of our regular listeners, you will say, "Hey, I've heard that before." That's because we've been we've been uh, signaling this for a while, um, and we played this quote from Jaden Struble uh, uh, that was uh, taken from him during the season. We played it in December uh, on the Canadians Connection um, episode two twenty one. Yeah, of course. Um, they're the team that drafted me. Um, you know, long storied franchise. I think it's you know a great place to play. Um, you know, Jordan Harris. Uh, you know, my teammate obviously is doing very well there. If everything works out, I'd I'd be I'd love to go to Montreal. Um, you know, nothing but respect for them. And then obviously, you know, their new hires and everything is is huge for me. So definitely would be you know a nice place to play. He kind of glosses over it, but new first Jordan Harris. Yes, he he knows Jordan quite well. Um, but he said they're new hires. Uh, that would be one Kent Hughes that I talked about um, uh, their association. But this was Jaden Struble back in December, um, and and he was pretty clear, very mature, uh, and and sounds like something he had th- given a lot of thought to um, whether it was in his best interest to join the team that that drafted him, and uh, so. I, I think that it was kind of clear at that point that where his leanings were, uh, and then he followed through with that this week. Yeah, so now that he's signed, uh, well, we get to hear from him uh, talking about choosing to sign with Montreal. Um, to be honest, it's just, uh, I mean, the team that drafted me, there's there's a degree of loyalty there too. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it comes to, you know, opportunity and um, you know, no matter where you come, it's, you're going to have to, you know, fight for, for every minute you get out there. So I'm just ready to do that here. Boy, I like that. Um, number one, loyalty is important to him. Being loyal to the organization that drafted him is important to him. Uh, being loyal to the fans who he says have supported him since he's been drafted, kept, kept track, reached out, um, you know, sent messages on social media. 
Um, and then finally that he, he said he's not afraid of the fact that there is a logjam uh, on the left side. Um, he said that um, he has to earn his minutes. He has to fight for those, those minutes. He has to uh, uh, fight for his, his position uh, on, on the team and, and within the depth chart, chart of the organization. So uh, all of that is, is very, very mature, very clear-headed, I thought. Yeah. And, uh, well, uh, who was the person that advised him? Uh, yeah, Jordan Harris. Um, you know, he was, he was kind of wondering what I was going to do, and he was really excited when I, when I ended up signing. So him, he was a big one. So Jordan Harris played advisor through this, and, <laughs> and uh, Jordan Harris, a, a captain at Northeastern, um, Jaden Struble also wore a letter uh, there in his final year. And, and um, Struble talked about uh, you know, having discussions with Jordan Harris and, and um, that influenced him to, to sign. Um, but uh, just, just uh, he, he, there was some question last year, and we talked about this, whether he would go back for his senior year. And in his press conference, he talked about um, how important that senior year was, how important it was, um, like Jordan Harris, to go back for that last year, to learn what it's like to be a senior, to mentor the younger players, to learn about leadership in a, in a team. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, he's, he's really, um, he was really, and I've said this, a, a, you know, a dozen times, but he was very mature uh, and very articulate um, in, in what, you know, his first um, media opportunity uh, with the Mon- Montreal Canadiens. And, and we should say that uh, that audio was gathered uh, from our own uh, Chris G, who was at the press conference on Friday. Yeah, I'm very impressed with uh, Struble's maturity, and uh, I think he's got a pretty good radio voice, too, <laughs> being completely honest. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, we'll uh, take a look at our hockey news from around the league. Uh, plenty of news here, actually. Uh, NHL GM meetings wrapped after three days uh, in Florida this week. Uh, discussions about coaches' challenge, uh, fights after clean hits in overtime were talked about. Gary Bettman said that he's extraordinarily pleased with uh, how coaches' challenges have been going. Uh, he also mentions in regards to overtime, uh, longer overtime is being tested at the ECHL level, and uh, he likes the results there as well. Yeah, he was. He's he's really pleased with everything. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was, uh, as far as the the coaches' challenges, they talked about. Um, you know, the the over the glass, um, the the friendly fire, uh, high sticks, and those kinds of things. Uh, there was no kind of consensus. Some of the the general managers like um, more challenges, more opportunities for challenge. Uh, Kent Hughes actually proposed uh, that each team, each coach, be get, given an extra challenge, and we've seen how challenge happy that uh, Marty St. Louis has has been uh, with mixed results um, but there are uh, there's a whole other side that says you know we just don't want to add um, we don't want to extend the, the time for the challenges we don't want to have these games draw, drawn out uh, the NCAA, NCAA um, the games are longer there are more challenges and so um, th- that that's it's something that um, that that's going to require a whole lot more discussion before um, anything really happens there. 
the NHL's divisional playoff format will not change. Uh, that was something that was talked about as well. Uh, despite many people, including some NHL stars and GMs, uh, completely disagreeing with that, uh, I think a lot of people uh, would like to see things go back to the conference uh, eight versus one. Uh, Gary Bettman doesn't seem to think so. He says everything is just fine there. Everything's wonderful. <laughs> it's it's working fine. No reason for change. I, I, I think there is. Not not that, and I agree with Bettman in terms of um, there, there isn't a, it isn't necessary to um, make the playoffs available for uh, any additional teams. Uh, half the teams making the playoffs seems about the right number. The regular season should mean something. Uh, but going to, uh, I, I think most people, most fans, most uh, players uh, would like to see going back to that one versus eight two seven uh the the conference format seemed uh uh that that now with the divisional format um there's there's too much opportunity for um you know a very good team to get eliminated uh very early um but you know Batman was happy with with that where Batman um I thought it was was interesting um that they announced that that yes the cap is going to go up one million dollars and we knew that um, to 83.5 next year, Bettman threw out uh, a little bit of a uh, a challenge, and he said, well, unless uh, the NHLPA wants to renegotiate that, then we can mm. we can make the, the, the cap bigger. Uh, remember, the NHLPA has just uh, hired a new uh, representative in Marty Walsh, and uh, so this will be his first big challenge. Um, you know that, you know that if Bettman gives into that, the cap going up, more money being available, uh, that he's going to want something back in return. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that all uh, plays out. Whether it'll be a greater grab on escrow or or what it'll be, we don't know. But uh, I thought it was I thought it was interesting that that he just uh, threw out that little challenge um, casually. Um, as as the meetings ended and all i'm gonna say in regards to that is please no lockout Uh, i don't want to have to deal with that anymore not that that's where that's heading it's probably an overreaction on my end uh batman also mentions that uh, the nhl is not currently in expansion mode uh i i think that makes sense uh, you just had seattle uh, there's really no need to add more but uh, it seems like espn might have been hinting that that uh, could have been the case yeah, it was in ESPN started that fire saying that uh, Houston and Atlanta have expressed interest in an expansion franchise. Um, uh, Gary, Bet- so Gary Bettman was forced to say, uh, "No, we're not in expansion mode right now." Um, it's it's, uh, but he and and Quebec City said, "Hey, what about us?" And, and he, <laughs> Gary Bettman said, "Yes, Houston is attractive, Atlanta's attractive, Quebec's attractive, but we're not in that mode right now." What's going to be interesting is um, whether the the brand new arena in Tempe is going to be approved by a referendum in the next couple of weeks. If it's not, um, the NHL may be may not be in an expansion mode, but they may be in relocation mode. Uh, with Arizona moving to one of those uh, places, likely um, likely Houston, uh, and then Atlanta in the pecking order. Um, but but we'll see. 
And uh, another note here, and this is kind of an interesting one. Uh, it wasn't really reported on much, but uh, GMs of Canadian NHL teams react to the new property law. Rick, what can you tell us about this? Did you know that the federal government passed a new act uh, called the Prohib- uh, Prohibition on the Purchase of Residential Property by Non-Canadians? Um, that's a brand new act that went into effect January of this year. And it says that if you're not a citizen of this country, you cannot buy property. Um, And this is a a bit unreported. And for the Canadian um, NHL franchises, it's going to it's going to add one more thing uh, to the difficulty in attracting free agents that, yes, we want you as part of of uh, our team, but you can't buy a house um, Mm. if you're if you're not a citizen of Canada. Um, the, I, I don't, I don't know how teams are going to deal with this. I don't know if there's going to be some pushback and some, some uh, carve outs, uh, for this new act. I don't know what's going to happen, but, uh, July 1st is coming quick and, uh, agents, player agents are very nervous about this new legislation and the effect that it's going to have on their clients. Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting one. So that's going to be something that we'll have to keep tabs on for sure. Uh, the NHL Department of Player Safety has fined Canadians captain Nick Suzuki for $2,500 for cross-checking Florida Panthers forward Anton Lundell. This is a very rare, not maximum allowable fine by the CBA. It's a little bit lower than that. And, and uncharacteristic behavior from Nick Suzuki. It was that game, the Florida game, when when frustrations certainly on the Canadian side were... At maximum, uh, he got tossed from the game and uh, received supplemental discipline uh, from the player safety folks. The NHL has announced that the draft lottery will be held on May the 8th. So mark your calendars, uh, get the tankathons going. Uh, it's going to be a very exciting event. Uh, I'm not usually a big fan of uh, watching the broadcast of this. It seems a little bit uh, redundant, but uh, I'm sure I'll be tuning in. From the studios in New Jersey, uh, that's where it's going to be held. And uh, yes, I'm sure Canadians fans will be glued uh, to to the broadcast of the draft lottery. And uh, big news from Tampa Bay. Uh, Martin St. Louis and Vinny LeCavalier were inducted into the Tampa Bay Lightning Hall of Fame on Friday night. Uh, two Tampa legends, uh, they won a cup together and uh, really paved the way for what the franchise would become today. Uh so I guess congratulations uh, to both of them. I think that's very well deserved. Yeah, this is uh, was the uh, the inaugural members of the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning Hall of Fame uh, that Vinny LeCavalier, Marty St. Louis, both members of the, the Canadians staff now uh, were inducted with uh, Phil Esposito, um, who there wouldn't be a Tampa Bay Lightning without Phil Esposito. So it was uh, a nice ceremony. Uh, Marty said it was a little odd. His head wasn't necessarily in it as <laughs> he was having to prepare for a game um, and and be the opponent. But um, there was a, a wonderful tribute video for uh, Le Cavalier and St. Louis that was narrated by Stephen Stamkos, and he did a really good job talking about the culture uh, and and the legacy left by uh, Le Cavalier and St. Louis. So that's going to do it for us in this first segment. Uh, we'll get to our big topic and uh, talk about Kent Hughes uh, pretty soon. But first, uh, we're going to hear a message from our sponsors, DraftKings. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. 
Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Go to the app, opt in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. For me, I'm always rooting for the local schools, so that would be Nova, Villanova, and Penn State. We'll see how they do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, win or lose. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella. Make sure to find me on Twitter at the Spinella. And with me in the studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. Make sure you follow him at All Habs on Twitter. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at All Habs and visit the website CanadiansConnection.com. Also, just a reminder here to hit that subscribe button in the player on your favorite podcast app. That way you never miss a single episode. This past week, uh, Canadians general manager Kent Hughes spoke uh, with Sportsnet about a whole slew of things, including injuries, development, and the success of the season. And Rick, this this was a very interesting interview. Uh, it's something I don't think got uh, reported on a ton, and uh, I think we're ready to take a ni- nice uh, deep dive into this, right? Absolutely. And I should say that um, remember not to take everything at face value. Um, the the questions, the answers, um, that that some of the information is not for you. Um, that mm-hmm. that Kent Hughes said at the beginning of his tenure, um, a- as he had done as a as he had learned. Uh, as a player agent, um, that I'm going to be leveraging the media. I promise that I'm going to be leveraging the media. Uh, so keep that in mind uh, as we go through uh, these these uh, different uh, topics that they covered, um, and and think all the time about um, you know next season. Uh, it, it doesn't start, it, it doesn't start in August. It doesn't start in September. Those decisions, a lot of those decisions start now. Um, and, and so we're going to be going through and, and talking about, uh, trying to, to find, um, the issues that, that Kent Hughes is dealing with now as he makes decisions for next year's, um, roster as well as future years, uh, because it'll have an impact. Yeah, so the first thing uh, we'll get into here, uh, Kent Hughes was asked about being competitive during a rebuild. Is this something that's important? Is this something that he's trying to do? Uh, Kent mentioned that being competitive is actually a very crucial part of development for young players and building a winning culture. 
So that's a nice statement. I agree with that on its surface for sure. I I think that uh, it's very important that your team does not get lit up every night, to, un- unlike what happened this past week to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but uh, Rick, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, what what are your thoughts on uh, Kent's comments in regards to being uh, competitive during this rebuild? Yeah, I, I thought um, it, it was interesting that he focused in on that, and and he said that. Um, uh, you know, mission accomplished, essentially. And and he said, he acknowledged, um, you know, we're out of the playoffs. Um, we're, we're, you know, bottom five in the NHL. How can I say mission, you know, this, I can't say that this has been a successful year. But as far as staying in games with a team that's uh, had injury issues, uh, with, with a team with a roster that's still a work in progress, uh, that for the most part, uh, they've been a competitive team. Now he he said, you know, we haven't been, uh, we weren't competitive this past week, and we certainly weren't competitive in that period around Christmas, both before Christmas and after Christmas. Um, but for the most part, uh, they they've been able to do that, and and that was that was part of of um, of having a competitive culture, if not a, a, a winning culture in, in Montreal. Yeah, I think Montreal has done that. Uh, if you look back to the early parts of the season, they hung around and made some people question, you know, are they actually going to get close to a playoff spot? Obviously that fell off and it didn't quite pan out, but uh, I think credit uh, where credit's due that against some good teams, they've managed to hang in there. And I think, more games uh, than not they've uh, made things at least kind of close so uh very important uh, to keep things competitive like i said i, I don't want to see all these young players getting lit up uh, night after night uh, another thing he was asked about uh, injuries and uh, while talking about injuries he touched on transparency as well so montreal is going through another season where they're just riddled with injury after injury I mean, how many times have we heard, uh, you know, season-ending injury this year? You know, Caulfield getting shut down, Slavkovsky getting shut down, uh, Jacki getting shut down, uh, Doc's been out long-term, Monaghan has been in and out, and we don't know when he's coming back. Sometimes uh, we're hearing that he'll be back soon. Sometimes he's not even close. It's really hard to know what's going on. Uh, Rick, you and I talked about this recently, the Habs medical staff, and I think it's probably a good idea that uh, they take a look at that and really investigate what's going on uh, with the, the medical staff because it seems like something's just not quite right. Uh, Kent Hughes commented on this saying that uh, nobody's going to win with the level of injuries that they've had and uh, he's mentioned as well that uh, sometimes he's not uh, going to be totally honest uh, because well, the players have a right to a certain degree of privacy, which I understand, but uh, I'll get you to weigh in on this with, as well. Yeah, I think, um, again, this is a case where you, you may not take everything, um, you know, at, at face value. The question was, uh, with all due respect, poorly framed about transparency. That, that's, the, the issue has not necessarily been about, uh, that isn't the major issue. Uh, transparency isn't the major issue. And he's right, uh, Kent Hughes is, that uh, a player deserves um uh, an element of privacy and and that that the team has a, has an obligation to protect the athlete so you're not revealing um, injuries and target points and whatnot to the opposition. I think everybody understands that and that's that's mm-hmm. not been a, an issue. What has been an issue 
is the misdiagnosis of, of injuries, um, the injuries that are coming up during rehab, which that should never happen, uh, the, the, the forecasts that are, are, are wildly wrong. Um, and, and although that he doesn't necessarily get into that, um, I guess, and we talked about that a lot, um, about one, that's one of the things that they're going to have to do. Um, he, he says that they're going to roll up their sleeves and get to work on figuring out what's going on and allocate the resources, um, to get better in that department. So every, out of all the, the, the words and the paragraphs and everything that's written uh, with respect to injury, the only thing that's important there is that they're taking this seriously, that they're going to figure out what's wrong, and they're going to, going to allocate whatever resources needed to fix the problem. And that's what we said um, when we talked about this issue, that, that uh, analyze it all, figure it out, um, and get in the people who are, are going to make a difference. And that's the, that's the key element that he mentioned here. And, and I think that, um, that should make most fans, uh, that, that should kind of ease their, their worries about uh, the injury situation within Montreal. Yeah, definitely. That's a, that's a pretty good point that you bring up there, Rick. Uh, another thing Kent Hughes uh, talked about uh, was, uh, well, which player does he think developed under Martin St. Louis very well? Well, I mean, there's a number of guys that, uh, as someone that analyzes his team as a fan, might uh, think about, you know, Cole Caulfield has done very well since uh, Martin St. Louis has showed up. Uh, it seems like Kirby Dog's done pretty well under Martin St. Louis. Caden Gooley, that's another young player that's done well. But the name that uh, Kent Hughes uh, brought up a whole lot was uh, Josh Anderson. Uh, he's mentioned that Josh Anderson is someone that's been ve- working very hard to add to his game. And uh, Kent uh, credited Martin St. Louis quite a bit uh, for... Uh, the development of uh, Josh Anderson this season. Uh, Kent also credited uh, Marty and the whole coaching staff for creating a good environment. So I I agree. It seems like the coaching staff has done a pretty good uh, job of creating a good culture and a good environment for a lot of players. I think it's interesting that uh, Kent went out of his way to bring up Josh Anderson uh, when asked about Martin St. Louis. Absolutely. And if you're a fan of, of, the player. If you're a fan of Josh Anderson, you may say, oh my God, listen to what he's saying about Josh Anderson. He must love Josh Anderson as much as I do. I'll just remind you that Kent Hughes said he would leverage the media. He promised to leverage the media for his own purposes. Um, I, this screams uh, at me that, that, that Kent Hughes is doing a sales job and he's doing a big sales job on Josh Anderson, that Josh Anderson is the player. And he's, he's already said this, that he gets more calls about Josh Anderson than any other player. Uh, he didn't trade him at the trade deadline. Uh, I think that he's, he's going to trade uh, Josh Anderson or at least try very hard uh, to get his price for Josh Anderson in the off season. Uh, I would say that all of this focus on Josh Anderson is a sales pitch and um, and, and the sales pitch that he's given to other GMs. Um, again, everything it isn't necessarily as it as it seems.
Yeah, that's a good point you bring up. Uh, you know, Josh Anderson, somebody that's been in trade rumors going uh, back a while now. Uh, I was a little bit surprised uh, to see that uh, he was not moved at the trade deadline. So uh, Kent Hughes, once again, uh, through the media and trying to drive up that price. And uh, it seems like he's pretty determined to get uh, a nice steep price for uh, Josh Anderson, at least. Uh, something else that uh, came up quite a bit uh, throughout this interview was uh, the Laval Rocket and specifically a playoff push for the Laval Rocket. So uh, Kent Hughes did mention that it's possible that some junior or some NCAA players could join Laval at some point to help make a playoff push. I'll get you to dissect this one a little bit more for me, Rick. Yeah, it's it's obviously very important. They've mentioned it a number of times. Other people in the organization, we keep hearing it over and over again, how important it is uh, for the Laval Rocket to make the playoffs. Now, I, I don't know if that's because they know the Canadians aren't making the playoffs, so they would like to be able to point to, you know, uh, one of the, the teams in the organization that they're in the playoffs if 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 it's a financial thing uh, for having playoff games in, in Laval, um, it's, it's, it's very interesting that it, this keeps coming up, that, that uh, uh, Kent Hughes did very little um, at the trade deadline, uh, but he made a trade to try and help uh, Laval. Um, and now he's saying that it's very important uh, to, uh, to bolster um Laval going into the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, they've added Jaden Struble. He mentioned three players specifically by name, Logan Mayu, Joshua Waugh, and Riley Kidney, that they would like to get one or all of those players uh, to Laval for the playoffs. Uh, I, I think it's it's fascinating. So, um, again, he's signaling it. He's telling you what he's going to do. Don't be surprised when uh, when one of the three or all of those players are added uh, for the Laval playoff run. Yeah, I think uh, the Laval getting to the playoffs and, ha- and having a run ties in nicely with building a winning culture. I know that a lot of teams do try to get uh, their American leagues into the playoffs so that a lot of those young developing players have that experience. So that's something I definitely stand by. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate that uh, most of this season, and I think last season as well, there haven't been too many prospects on that team. So that's something I would like to see change going forward. And if they can do that uh, for a playoff push, then uh, I think I will stand by that. Uh, something Kent Hughes uh, was asked about, and uh, we've seen him do this before, is using draft picks uh, and to acquire uh, future players using draft picks as trade assets. You go back to what happened at the last draft here in Montreal, Kent Hughes acquiring Kirby Doc, uh, flipping out Romanov for a first-round pick and then sending that in a package over to Chicago to bring him in. That's a, a player that's a lot further along than the guy that they would have uh, selected at that uh, number 13 position. So instead of using a draft pick and uh, waiting on and trying to develop a player, something that Kent Hughes seems pretty interested in, is using some of that draft capita to acquire players that are already a little bit further along in their development. Uh, what do you think about this one? This is probably the most important thing that, that Kent Hughes said. Um, and I'm, I'm going to read his quote. I do envision there's a time coming soon where a pick that we've acquired becomes a trade asset instead, instead of a future player. He's got something in mind. 
Um, the Canadians, we, we've talked about two first-round picks in 2023, three fourth-round picks, a couple of fifth-round picks, that the Canadians have a lot of picks, and all of those players uh, can't be used um, as necessarily in choosing a player and adding a prospect that they're going to be traded away as, a, as an asset. Um, and he's been explicit. I do envision there's a time coming, and he uses the word soon, a pick that we've acquired becomes a trade asset instead of a future player. Mark that down, and when it happens um, in the offseason, uh, you'll, you'll know where it's, where it's coming from. Um, he's, he's telling you what he's going to do. Yeah, and the, like I said, there is a precedence for him doing this. This is something that uh, seems to be part of the plan anyways. Uh, I don't mind it. Uh, it worked out pretty well for Kirby Doc so far, at least. Uh, that was a player that I had my doubts about, but he's come in, and it seems like he's solidified himself a role on this team. So not necessarily a bad thing to do, but uh, that also screams to me a little bit that uh, trying to fast-track the rebuild a little bit, right? Absolutely. No, that's that's a great point. So there's uh, no doubt that Kent Hughes and the entire hockey operations team uh, have started to formulate plans for next season, including departures and acquisitions, potentially. Uh, Who should be part of the Montreal Canadiens depth chart for next season? Uh, So we kind of laid out a bit of a depth chart here, including uh, UFAs and RFAs. And it's interesting when you lay things out uh, in the form of a depth chart, as opposed to trying to create lines with chemistry. It really shows you where some of the holes are and where some of the log jams are. We talked about earlier that uh, that left defense, there seems to be a lot of guys there. You know, Caden Gooley, Mike Matheson, Jordan Harris, Joel Edmondson, Arbor Jacki. Uh, that's well, those are a lot of NHL players. What you have to wonder what they're going to do there. But uh, some weak spots. Left wing and right defense stand out to me. Um, you look at the left wing. Okay, Mike Hoffman, and then you have Yuri uh, Slavkovsky, and then it really drops off to guys with no, uh, little to no NHL experience. Sean Farrell, Heineman, uh, Raphael Harvey Pinard. So, Rick, uh, I'll get your thoughts on uh, this depth chart and uh, what where you think some of those holes are as well. Yeah, and and it's it's. Um... It's too soon to be talking about lines for next season. It's not yeah. too soon to be talking about the depth chart at all because um, the whole hockey ops crew is is doing that right now. And um, yeah, you you look the, at at the center position and and you can see that it's it's pretty solid. Suzuki, Doc, Dvorak, Jake Evans, um, Riley Kidney, you know, is someone that that could factor into that uh, based on a good training camp. Um, on the right side, it, it's it's fairly solid. Uh, on the right wing, Cole Caulfield, Josh Anderson, Brandon Gallagher, uh, Yol Armia, um, and uh, Yessa Ulanen, who has been he's looked like an NHL player. Um, and 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 those. And I know that that fans are going to say, well. Um, yeah, but he should trade um, uh, Yol Armia. Yes, he should trade Mike Hoffman. Well, he, maybe he should, and maybe he should have at the the trade deadline if he could find some interest. But you got to trade players uh, that other teams want. And uh, <laughs> for now, um, you know, it's it's these are players uh, in the organization, and these are the players who are going to have to be accommodated. And you know that left 
defense, um, why there's such a logjam there. And, and Jaden Struble coming into the organization is behind all of that, all of those uh, five players uh, that you mentioned on left defense. Um, you know, they, they can't play. <laughs> there's only <laughs> three pairs. Uh, so players are going to have to sit if everyone is healthy. And that's why we said it was so crucial for uh, Joel Edmondson, uh, perhaps, to, to be traded um, in the offseason. Uh, but then you look, yeah, the, on the right side, uh, David Savard, and uh, what do you have? Justin Barron, uh, Kova Savage, Logan Mayu, is he going to factor into to things? Goaltending, very weak. Um, very weak. With, with Jake Allen, who is a, is a good backup goaltender. Sam Montembeau, who is a good AHL goaltender. Uh, but goaltending is, is very weak. Um, and, and, you know, this is, that, those are, are the, the, the depth chart after we've said goodbye to a whole pile of unrestricted free agents and restricted free agents, which we know is not going to happen. Um, it, it just doesn't work like that. But is there a place on unrest, unrestricted free agency, uh, Druan, um, no longer with the team, Monaghan, Paul Byron, uh, Chris Turney, Alex Belzeal, Anthony Richard, Leskinen, Allard, Schooneman, Madison Bowie. Uh, some of those players may may carve out a, a position in Laval, uh, but there's a lot of talent coming to Laval as well. Um, so are you going to be able to add all of your RFAs in a Gurionov, and a Pazetta, Kondata, Teasdale, Stevens, uh, Nick Bodan? Um, th- this is a team that's that's in transition and uh, there may be some big changes to to the roster and the depth chart going forward next season. Yeah, looking at those RFA specifically, I looked at that and I almost felt like most of these guys are kind of flip of the coin. I don't think that any of the RFAs or necessarily even the UFAs this season are all that important to the team's future, like at all. Uh, if you walk away from all of them, which I mean, it would be unexpected, but I don't think that you're really missing out on a ton. Or if you keep them all, then essentially you're just creating a logjam. And I don't think these are a lot of generic players that, you know, pick another guy to replace them. And I'm sure it, it would fit just as well. Uh, looking at uh, some guys that are, I, they feel kind of in between sitting in the press box uh, more often than not. Rem Pitlick and Chris Weidman. Hard to believe that they're still under contract <laughs> next season. That's right. Uh, you got to figure out what you're going to do with those guys too. Um, and like you said, goaltending. Uh, Outside of Jake Allen, Sam Montembeau, there's not much. I don't see Caden Primo making a jump to the NHL next season. He's not looked great in Laval at all this year. Uh, other guys are a lot uh, further away. You know, you have a Frederick Dekau still over in Sweden. Uh, you look in the NCAA, you have a Jakob Dobas who had a nice year. But these are guys that still need some time to develop. So you, you wonder if uh, Kent Hughes might look into something goaltending-wise this offseason. Or if not, it feels like a, a nice position just to kind of stay pat as well because you know what you're getting with uh, Jake Allen and Sam Montembeau. It might not be the most amazing goaltending, but it could get you through a rebuild until you can better evaluate what you have uh, a lot further down the line. So uh, there are plenty of decisions that uh, Kent Hughes is going to have to make uh, when constructing this roster next season and potentially making some trades. You know, you look at the prime trade assets, 
uh, probably a Joel Edmondson. I think that that's going to have to go through him at some point. We talked about a Josh Anderson really talking him up. Uh, maybe a Jake Allen. I, I would disagree with it, but you know, that's a possibility. And of course he's mentioned himself draft picks could be traded to bring in some younger players a lot further down in uh, the line in their development. So plenty of decisions, like we said, Eric. No, for sure. And, and I think that, that, uh, you know, these things, we just want to remind people that these decisions are happening. These discussions are happening. And, um, you know, because uh, there are commitments that, that have been made, uh, as you said, Pitlick and Weidman, that they're, they're, they're going to have to be considered to be part of the mix next season. No, I, I think you have to look at uh, putting them on waivers and, and, and maybe uh, sending them to Laval um, because you have to start um, moving this roster. You have to start really uh, the, the, the rebuild in earnest. Uh, and and uh, he's going to Ken Hughes is going to get some relief on the cap uh, with some of those expiring contracts. Um, but you know, are they are they going to be able to um, uh, attract a, a free agent in terms of of uh, somebody that that can can act in a, in a mentor role? Is it a Sean Monahan coming back, uh, which I doubt? Uh, can they afford something like that? Um, and, and what are they going to get back in terms of, of a trade? Because I really think that, uh, either around the, the draft time or, or after, uh, free agency that, uh, Kent Hughes has got to be involved in, in a trade, um, moving some of these players who are desired by other teams and, um, who, who have value now for the team, but, uh, won't once uh, the rebuild is is complete and the young players are coming into their prime. Yeah, so it's going to be an interesting offseason. Uh, we'll be keeping track of everything that goes down. Uh, interesting that uh, there's just there's some positions where it's so empty and then other positions are so full. So that that definitely leads me to think that there's got to be a, at least a few trades uh, yeah. coming along the way. I don't know how things are going to go with free agency, given everything that's going on, but uh, certainly an interesting off season. Uh, it's going to be uh, especially after the draft as well. So uh, Rick, uh, plenty of things to, to talk about still uh, going forward. But uh, anything else to add for today? We want to hear from you. Uh, reach out to us on social media. Reach out to us uh, at our text line, 5853ROCKET. Um, who do you see uh, returning next year? Uh, who should stay? Who should go? Uh, who should be targeted for trade? Uh, we want to hear your opinion on on how the, the depth chart of the Canadians is going to evolve over the uh, offseason. Yeah, so now we'll take our final break. Stay with us. You are listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. 
Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode three, 235 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And check out the Canadians uh, Connection website at canadiansconnection.com. Also, feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line. It's 5853ROCKET. That's 583ROCKET. We're still a little ways off from 300 episodes, I think, but uh, that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, still plenty of things to talk about with uh, this Montreal Canadiens team. And boy, is it hard to keep track. Well, Rocket Sports has you covered. Uh, first things first, you're going to want to head over to our YouTube channel. Just search at all Habs and you can pull up Amy Johnson's weekly Habs hockey report. The latest episode entitled Three Reasons Why Hughes Should Not Acquire Carter Hart. Montreal Canadiens, Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, it's an interesting topic. Uh, obviously, we know Montreal is looking for a potential goalie of the future. That's not in the organization at the moment. So tune in, uh, leave your thoughts, leave a comment. Uh, Amy will respond to it if uh, she likes to comment enough. She might read it on air as well. Uh, hit that subscribe button to never miss a single episode. And uh, feel free to hit that like button as well if you like your video. Also, make sure you subscribe to both Rocket Sports Radio podcasts on your favorite podcast app. Uh, first one, The Press Zone, that comes out on Tuesday. You can check that out at thepresszone.fm. That's your inside source for Montreal Canadiens prospects, anything to do with the AHL, hosted by Amy Johnson. You get Patrick Williams in there as well. He's our AHL guru who knows anything and everything about the AHL. And sometimes Rick Stevens likes to chime in on that as well. Also, the Canadians Connection podcast, the one you're listening to, you can check that out at canadiansconnection.fm or your favorite podcast app. Make sure you hit that subscribe button because we're here every single Saturday throughout the year. Uh, even during the summer, I know some of your favorite hockey podcasts will stop making as much content throughout the summer, but uh, we'll stick there. We'll be there for you and find all sorts of uh, amazing topics to talk about and keep you up to date with all the news. 
So now it's uh, time to turn things over to our listeners. Our Canadians Connection question of the week. Should Kent Hughes acquire goaltender Carter Hart from the Philadelphia Flyers this offseason? Uh, that ties in nicely with what Amy Johnson had to talk about. So make sure you chime in. Let us know. Uh, just send us a text. 5853ROCKET. That's 5853ROCKET. And uh, Rick, what are the other ways people can chime in? Well, you can send us a text. Um, 5853ROCKET. You can reach out to us uh, on social media. And and why are we talking about Carter Hart? Well, uh, we know that there's um, a new sheriff in town in, in Philadelphia, and uh, the rumblings out of Flyers land um, are that uh, that that Carter Hart is uh, could be available um, now. His price would be really steep. Um, he's only 24 years old. Uh, he was a second round pick uh, by the Flyers in 2016. Um, he has talent. Um, has it been developed uh, properly? Um, has has his development affected his his potential? Uh, is he a project that could be rescued? Uh, all those are questions. Um, but we know that the Canadians are desperate for goaltending. Uh, are they willing to look at the NCAA? Are they willing to look at drafting a goaltender? Or are they looking at accelerating things and and going out and uh, acquiring, acquiring a young player uh, who's having some struggles with their team ally? Uh, Kirby Doc with Chicago, uh, the same sort of situation. So um, that's why that's why this is a discussion point this week, and that's why we want to hear from you. Uh, should Ken Hughes acquire Carter Hart? And I believe uh, we got a text from a listener last week. Uh, Rick, uh, what's that one about? Well, we got a bunch of texts, and I always enjoy um, uh, hearing from from everyone uh, about them. This one was was uh, was fun. Um, because we know that you're, you're listening. We, because you used our words. Um, and, uh, this comes from, um, one of our favorite provinces and, and that is Newfoundland. And he says, I think, uh, Dennis Gurionov is playing better than he has all season right now. So maybe a bit better than advertised. I think I had said last week that he's come as advertised. Um, so a, a great comment. Uh, he also adds great podcast, uh, and uh, we're happy to have him as a listener. The only thing we'll say, and we'll say to him, we'll say to you, uh, let us know your first name and let us know. We know that this one's from Newfoundland, but uh, your location as well, because we like to let people know uh, that Canadians fans, Habs fans are everywhere. Yeah, and of course, we're open to all uh, different opinions. Uh, whether you agree or dith- disagree with us, uh, make sure you let us know. Uh, so it's going to be a light week for the Montreal Canadiens uh, in terms of their games, uh, starting things on Saturday, March the 18th. Uh, Montreal visits Tampa Bay. Uh, so you saw Martin St. Louis, Vincent LeCavalier get inducted into the Tampa Bay Lightning Hall of Fame. So, well, I guess this could be a little ce- celebration. They'll both uh, get to visit Tampa Bay there. And then, uh, well, it looks like it's a home and home because a couple days later on March uh, the 21st, Tampa Bay Lightning comes to Montreal. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how uh, Montreal manages to stay in those games. And on the 23rd, uh, Montreal goes to visit the Big Bad Bruins. Um, obviously, Boston having a historical season. Let's see if uh, Montreal can play spoiler a little bit. Uh, yeah, uh, you're you're right in terms of uh, in terms of the number of games it's light, but this is this is heavy competition. Uh, yeah. <laughs> these are some very good teams. 
the Boston Bruins have just been um, blowing everybody away this season. Uh, so that's Except going to be a Chicago. tough game. Uh, well, that's true. Um, <laughs> and uh, but Tampa Bay too. Uh, it it's going to be tough uh, on Saturday night. In Tampa, uh, Sam Montembeau gets his third straight start. Will he be there uh, when the game ends? Well, we'll we'll see, and we'll let you know next week. Well, are you ready for puck drops? So read all our uh, complete previews for every game day at allhabs.net. And thank you all for uh, tuning in and listening to us today. That's going to be a wrap for us. Please subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player on your favorite podcast app and share on social media if you like what you heard. Enjoy the week. We'll back, be back here next Saturday, March the 25th for another great episode. Thank you all for listening to Canadians Connection here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.